0: Welcome to Whole and Holy. I'm Dr. Peter Vogt. I'm the Dean of Bethel Seminary and the host of this podcast. And it's my delight today to introduce to you Heather Fleece, my guest. Heather Fleece is the junior high pastor at Wooddale Church in Eden Prairie, Minnesota. She's served there since 1996. Uh, Heather graduated from Bethel University with a degree in communication. She has an MDiv from Bethel Seminary. She's the author of two books. Uh, One is I Want to Talk to My Teen About Girl Stuff and that's what she said. That's what he said. Heather loves football, tennis, the color orange, and listening to Christmas music 11 months out of the year. Heather and her husband, Chad, live in the Twin Cities with their two St. Bernards, Jingle Bell and Hadley. So Heather, welcome <laughs> to the podcast. Thanks I'm, so much for being here.
1: You're welcome. I'm sure that's the intro that you read for most everybody. You just Absolutely. cut and paste yeah, it. It's just, yeah. just <laughs> the
0: standard, standard kind of thing. So I have to start by asking, which month of the year don't you listen to Christmas music?
1: Yes, I take the month of January off because okay. I figure it's good to purge. Yeah. Uh, but truly, my office mates can tell you, much to their dismay, that February 1st comes and I'm listening to my Bing Crosby Pandora station <laughs> once again. Wow. I just love it. And I, I hate to get all theological on you, Peter, but shouldn't we celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ every day?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> my husband says, I don't know how Frosty the Snowman relates to that but you know <laughs> well in july that's, that's that, questionable uh,
0: yeah well i was i was kind of guessing that might have been the month but yeah, okay. uh, <laughs> just uh, just had to had to clarify that well heather you've been you've been in youth ministry for a long time I and have. youth ministry often functions either by design or by circumstance as kind of a stepping stone mm-hmm. to other to other ministries i i think i'm i guess this is anecdotal but my impression is that there are few folks who stay in a career in in youth ministry. So what's led to your uh, passion for youth ministry all of these years that mm-hmm. has kept you from moving into other ministry areas in the church?
1: Yeah. So I am in my 30th year, Peter, <laughs> in student ministries, which you are correct, is so abnormal <laughs> um, and that i have no plans to do anything except to continue with that i the lord has given me a supernatural love for students that's mm. the only way that i can describe it i started hanging out with students back in trout lake camp when i was in high school i had an amazing experience at trout and made a commitment when I was in sixth grade that I Mm. wanted to do that for somebody someday. And so I volunteered as quickly as I could after my ninth grade year. And the story is that I was supposed to be a counselor in training that summer. And I reported to Trout. I was 15 years old. I was super excited to learn from somebody and, you know, be in there and learn how to be a counselor. And they were short counselors that week. (laughs) So they said, Heather, we're putting you in Sequoia cabin with 14 11-year-old girls. (laughs) So I was 15 years old and I was suddenly in charge of 14 middle schoolers and we had a blast here I mean we had a cabin cheer and a cabin dance and a cabin chant and I just fell in love but Mm. I didn't think it was anything um, that was going to move forward. I thought it was, what a fun gig, you know, mm. and that I could do that for somebody else. And even uh, I worked at Trout every summer while I was at Bethel for my undergrad. And even then I just thought, wow, what a cool summer job to be able to hang out with kids. Uh, somebody saw me in action, invited me to be a part of their team at a BGC, sorry, Converge church plant. At the time I was 19. And I thought, what a cool thing to get paid for. Mm. <laughs> so I said, yes. And uh-huh. I started as a a youth director at a church plant. Uh, I was paid eight to 10 hours a week. Uh I'm not sure still what I was paid for, but I was working about 30 hours a Uh week because there's no such thing as part-time ministry. And I was 19 years old. So I was in charge of sixth through 12th graders at 19. Mm. And I was at that church for four years before I came to Wooddale. So I would say the Lord really got a hold of my heart my junior year. Mm -hmm. I was experiencing the results of using my spiritual gifts. Mm. So my primary gifts are leadership, teaching, and encouragement. So I'd come home on a Wednesday night to Fountain Terrace as a junior in college, and I would be bouncing off the walls. And my Mm. girlfriends are like, what is your deal? And I'm Uh like, what is my deal? I don't know. And now I understand. I was using those gifts, and I was just energized to do it. And the tension point, if I can be real, is that I grew up at Bethel Baptist Church in Owatonna, Minnesota, Mm -hmm. within the BGC Converge. And I had never seen a female That was called pastor Hmm. so peter i didn't even have any idea that i could be a pastor or that it's something that that was an option for me and so uh thankfully sherry Bungie mortensen was at bethel at the time and called associate pastor and she was the first woman i ever saw called that Mm -hmm. she saw me spoke into my life others did as well and and the rest is history so Uh Yes. I have my degree in communication. I actually only have my master's of arts and theological studies. So I hope oh. that this is not uh, incorrect on our website. I'll double check that. Okay. But uh, I did the uh, Mon- Monday night modular program oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. through Bethel Sim. And, but all I want to do the rest of my life is be with teenagers. Mm. Um I've been asked to do a lot of different things, offered to do a lot of different things, but I think kids deserve somebody who loves the Lord, loves the Word, and loves them, and mm. I'm that person.
0: That's fantastic. <laughs> that's that's so great. That's that's cool. Well, so over the years you've walked with teenagers yeah. through lots of things, you've seen lots of changes. What what would you say is first of all the, the biggest challenges that you see students and youth facing today, mm-hmm. uh, what are they? What are they dealing with? What are the kinds of things that they're coming to talk to you about, or maybe they're not, and you wish they would, or you want to speak into their lives about?
1: Mm-hmm. I get asked the question a lot because I've been in it so long. You know, what have you seen change? And the answer, generally speaking, Peter, is not much. Hmm. <laughs> um, the core issues of students have not changed. Okay. So when I first started in 1992. There was comparison. There was insecurity. There was jealousy. There were suicidal ideations. Um, there were, you know, home crisis. There were. There was all of that. But in 2010, it all became magnified mm. with the smartphone. Sure. And so, if there's anything I can point to, everything was magnified. Mm. So now. I, I'm not just comparing myself to the girl that sits next to me in math. Now I'm comparing myself to hundreds or thousands of people that I follow or mm-hmm. that follow me. Um, I'm not just being bullied by the note that gets passed in class. Mm-hmm. I'm being bullied virally, and I'm being bullied, and it's being sent to multiple people. And so everything was just magnified mm. and intensified. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think those are those are the greater challenges in trying to help kids understand what's real and what's not real. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you're comparing yourself to somebody's highlight reel right. on, on TikTok or Instagram or Snapchat, and that's not really who they are. But for, for these kids, that is reality and mm-hmm. that is who they are and mm-hmm. who they're comparing themselves with. So um, it just, I, my, my heart is burdened for them because things are so heavy for them. Mm-hmm. I think of, you know, the smartphone as well has opened up the whole world to them. So Mm -hmm. developmentally speaking, a 13 year old has a hard time processing, Mm -hmm. you know, um, sex trafficking or a a, a war in the ukraine but they see images and daily feeds of all of this stuff that they Mm. never used to see before Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. they weren't reading the paper you know or they weren't watching the 10 o'clock news necessarily with their parents so all of a sudden the the fear they have whether it's of school shootings or mass suicides things like that they it's so much greater Mm. and and their brains with how god developed them are not in a place where they can process it like you and I can process yeah, it. Yeah. So a lot of conversation, a mm-hmm. lot of digging, mm-hmm. right? Because kids will wanna give me one answer, but I have to dig a little bit deeper to figure out where they're at mm-hmm. and and what they're struggling with. Um, but I would say the core issues really are the same, just magnified.
0: Okay. <laughs> so a couple follow-up questions to that. One is um, you talked about you made reference to to girls in particular, comparing. Do you see that as Do you see a difference between uh, boys and girls in terms of that tendency to compare, or is it is is it different, or is it the, is it a question of degree or magnitude, or or how is, is there any difference?
1: There? Yeah, no, that's a great question. You know, I I think that historically, it's been the comparison has been physical, right, Mm -hmm. with girls, how Mm -hmm. they look, the fashion they wear, um, you know, popularity, who they hang out with. But what I hear over and over from my students is, I'm not enough. Mm. And it's from boys and it's from girls. Okay. And so as they look around at everybody else around them, Mm -hmm. as they hear expectations, either spoken or unspoken, from parents, teachers, coaches. Yeah they have resolved i am not enough mm. so i would say it is equal for both boys and girls okay. generally speaking you know for guys it's to this day still it's a lot of you know athleticism mm-hmm. size that kind of thing um dating uh, and for girls there is a lot more of the fashion and of the mm-hmm. size because our culture sure you know defines for us right what's handsome right what's strong what's beautiful unfortunately but i'm blown away mm. at the reoccurrence of i am not enough wow yeah and and what a what a what a burden to bear peter every yeah. day oh, yeah. to wake up feeling like i'm not enough in this family i'm not enough at my school i'm not enough at the church i'm not enough in my relationships Yeah. Um, and how do you climb out from that if that's your perspective right what's well, yeah. heartbreaking It is heartbreaking because I look at them, Peter, and I just see so much potential. Mm -hmm. I see the uniqueness and God knitting them together in their mother's womb. I see the ways that they are different. And one of my goals as a junior high pastor is to help a kid embrace that different. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell them, verbally i'll say i know that your primary goal every day is to not be different <laughs> to stay under the radar to mm-hmm. to kind of blend in right so that you don't get made fun of or you mm-hmm. don't feel that you're judged but God has made us to mm-hmm. be different. I mean mm-hmm. that's a whole theological thing. He's made us to be different. Yeah. And I just felt the change. That probably happened in my junior year of high school mm-hmm. where I finally was able to embrace who God created me to be and it's mm-hmm. not normal, Peter. I'm not I'm not anything what a normal human being, let alone a conservative woman would be and when I learned to celebrate that, it changed everything. Mm. But it's harder and harder to convince kids hmm. of their uniqueness yeah. and to embrace that uniqueness.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Wow. Well, second question. Then you talked about the advent of the smartphone mm-hmm. as being kind of a a watershed or, mm-hmm. or that sort of thing. Um, do you have thoughts as a as a youth pastor in terms of how that should be handled? I mean, recommendations for parents about that. Do you would you recommend Withholding that for as late as possible, mm-hmm. or restrictions on how to use it. What what kinds of things uh, do you think are are important for that? Because it's it seems you know one of the things I've I've heard of is you, you read about it and it's like you're, you're giving them this tool, yeah. this access to everything yes. you know the, uh, that's there. And and so how what what are your thoughts on that? How do you advise parents or or talk to kids about using their this smartphone, mm-hmm. this tool?
1: Yeah. It, it, I mean, they're directly connected. Mm-hmm. I mean, the research has shown, especially for young teenage girls, anxiety has increased, like, over two hundred percent, like mm. from it was it was on a, a steady incline, but very minimal. And then and then you'll see two thousand ten and it just spikes mm. so high. And then of course we know so many of our students, both male and female, but especially male struggling with pornography and looking mm-hmm. at sexual images. So all of a sudden you you put, like you said, those devices in their hands. Yeah. And they're unlimited. So yes, I tell parents. The longer you can hold off. I tell kids, the longer you can hold off, the better it is for you. Mm -hmm. It is for your relationships, your friendships, your psyche, your self-esteem, all of it. Mm -hmm. Because I say it really is temptation in your hands. Temptation to waste time, temptation Mm -hmm. to compare yourself, to look at sexual images, to be brought into stuff that you don't want to be brought into. But the pressure is so great, Peter, socially speaking yeah. and I've got a girl right now whose parents have said you know you can you can text and you can call and you can have Instagram but we're not going to let you have Snapchat or TikTok and it's so difficult for her because everybody's asking for her snap right <laughs> they so she feels left out socially because yeah. she doesn't feel like or they're talking about a TikTok trend and, and she doesn't know what it is and so mm-hmm. she's begging her parents for that mm-hmm. simply because she wants to belong but she doesn't understand the door that would be open then to so much temptation and so many other messages mm-hmm. that wouldn't be good for her so her parents are fighting it and i applaud them for that but it's difficult so you know I, parents argue safety <laughs> peter but i i just turned 50 peter how old are you I'm 54. Okay. And look at us. We That's are right. slightly well-balanced <laughs> adults, right? That that are healthy and that have made it not having had any phone for our parents to help to protect us, you yeah. know? So I, I, think, um, I think parents overuse that, you mm-hmm. know, wanting to keep track of their kid or for their kid to feel safe. I think there are other ways to make that happen. Mm-hmm. I just... The ramifications of a kid who's 11 or 12 years old having that in their hand mm-hmm. are so much greater, and I would say life long, mm-hmm. that you've got to fight it and find ways around it.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm surprised sometimes when I hear about youth groups will use Snapchat to yeah. communicate with their uh, with their teens. Yeah, um, and
1: yeah, that's, and that's a tension point for us every day because yeah. you know we, we've got an Instagram account for Wooddale Junior High. Mm-hmm because many of our kids are out there. And mm-hmm. so if we want them to know what's happening on a Wednesday night or that something was canceled or to sign up for this, we we want to let them know, yeah. but we don't want to encourage that. So I remember whatever it was 15 years ago, getting on social media, I didn't want to, mm-hmm. even though I'm highly social Peter, I didn't <laughs> want to, but I thought I need to be a positive force yeah. and I want them to know that I'm out here. Yeah. So I'll comment on as many you know posts and such as I can, cause I want kids to know I'm here. I'm seeing what you're, what you're doing. And and I do have to confront there. There are a decent number of times that I have to confront a kid where I screenshot Mm -hmm. something I see because they have forgotten that I follow them. (laughs) And I have, I always go to the kid first, Peter. Mm -hmm. So this is my commitment is that we are raising adults. Mm -hmm. We're not raising children. Mm -hmm. And so I want to give that kid the chance to respond, to change the behavior, to handle it before I go to the parent. Mm -hmm. And if the kid can't do that, then I'll choose to bring the parents in. But um it's it's amazing how flippant they are about like oh it's just a joke or it's hmm. just a a trend or it's just it's not a big deal we were just kidding. Yeah. But they have no idea what yeah. they're communicating and how that is in dissonance with the Christian faith that they proclaim. Sure. So mm. I, I doubt this kid would ever listen to this particular podcast. So I, I screenshotted um, two weeks ago, one of my ninth grade boys had a scroll on his Instagram, and one of them was him standing in a grocery store holding a banana in front of his privates mm. and his buddy on the floor on his knees in front of him mm-hmm. interacting with that banana. Yeah. Wow. Peter, this <laughs> child is in my um, doctrinal class that we do for ninth graders for spiritual formation. Yeah, you know he—he's a kid that's been with me for two and a half years. Yeah, and and when I said, "Buddy, do you understand the tension point here?" He he said it was just a joke. We were just joking around, and all my all my buddies are Christians. Is what he <laughs> said, and I was just like, "Wow, if this is what you and your Christian buddies are doing on a weekend." It's concerning to me, yeah. and just the the lack of connect. Of course, you know the frontal lobe cortex sure. isn't fully developed, but that goes back to what kind of things is he seeing on TikTok and online and, and such that's informing him of these things just being flippant and right. being a joke. Right. So it's it's hard, and I don't envy parents hmm. because it is seemingly a full time job yeah. to keep track of your kids texting and social media, and then the accounts, of course, that they can make that are you right. know not public and whatnot, but it's still the job of the parent yeah. to help protect the child. Absolutely. So going back to what you asked about youth sure. ministry stuff, um, we we ask them to put their phones away um, as soon as we start the teaching time. We ask them, we prefer that they leave them at home. Mm-hmm. Um, when we are on retreats, camps, and mission trips, they are not allowed. Mm. And I'm, I'm starting to feel archaic in that, <laughs> Peter, because yeah. most youth pastors who have millennial um, youth ministry leaders are not requiring that. Mm. And it just blows my mind yeah. because what are we, we're asking them to retreat from everything else, and yet we leave that phone in their hand. Yeah. And interestingly, guess who I get the most pushback from? Hmm. Parents. Huh. Parents, because they're so used to having full access to their kid at any given moment, and okay. they don't want to give that up. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. And so I say, I, unfortunately, I have to bring my phone, and you have access to me, and you can let me know if anything happens. But yeah. Ugh.
0: Well, it's interesting, you know, because. We certainly grew up without those things yeah. and there were times where when i was young my my parents didn't know where i was yeah. i mean they had no i had a, a radius of, of where i could be <laughs> yep. and i'd be on my bike in yeah. the summer and yeah. my parents had no idea where yeah. I was wasn't allowed to go in people's houses we were playing outside yeah. in their yards and and that was just the way it was yeah and, and we turned out okay
1: we did <laughs> we do it and i know that the the realities of our world right are are more dangerous but You know, I had, I had one friend say, well, what, what if a, a mass shooter came to summer camp? And I was like, okay, I, is that, could that possibly happen? Yes, it could from what we see across the Mm -hmm. nation. But what are the chances of that, Peter, that a mass shooter is going to come to Lake Beauty Bible camp. Right. And, and if I left that, let this eighth grader have his cell phone, he'll be able to text his mom from the cabin when we're two hours away to right. help. You know, I just, right. I still don't think it's worth it. Yeah. I don't think it's worth it when I see the value, when kids can truly let go of it and they can be kids and play with each other and mm-hmm. have conversations and be free from that temptation. Mm-hmm. So I'll, yeah. I'll fight it as long as I can, but yeah. it is a reality for sure.
0: Good. We're gonna take just a, a quick break and here's some information about Bethel Seminary. Our world is in desperate need of spiritual leadership. Men and women who will sing along with the Apostle Paul in saying, Follow me as I follow Christ. For over 150 years, Bethel Seminary has been equipping whole and holy leaders to advance the gospel from a biblically sound foundation. That's why we've launched Seminary for Everyone. Online courses that are available throughout the year on a variety of topics, whether you're motivated to study for credit or simply for curiosity.
1: For those who sense a call to vocational ministry, we have seven degree programs at the master's or doctoral level.
0: All of these programs are designed to equip you not only with a strong theological foundation, but personal character and leadership development as well. At Betho, we care about who you are and who you are becoming. Both online and in person, we cultivate environments with a strong sense of purpose and belonging. You will feel empowered both by your fellow students and by faculty who care about you and who god is calling you to be
1: you belong at bethel seminary
0: you belong at bethel seminary you belong at bethel seminary where you will become equipped for your part in god's mission okay we're back and continuing the conversation about youth ministry and, and all this. So Heather, what's your, what's your kind of elevator pitch uh, speech for why, why youth ministry is important to the church? Why should, oh. why should churches invest budgeting in this? I, I think I know the answer, but I'd love to hear your take on this.
1: Yeah, you know, people love to say that they're the church of the future. I, I just, I argue that they're the church of today. Mm. If, if we don't get them now, if yeah. we don't help them to see the value of Christian community, the value of being under teaching, the value of coming together to feel that you're not alone, mm-hmm. the chances of that happening as they age are so much less. Mm-hmm. And I'm so proud of our parents who are modeling the value for their kids. You know, One of the things we struggle with is what we call one-hour families. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these are families who they are willing to commit one hour mm-hmm. on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. I wish it was every Sunday each month, Peter, but it's not, but let's just say that it is. They, yeah. they come for one hour. So the kids come to me in the junior high, Sunday school hour, if you will, and the parents go up to the service and then they leave together. Mm-hmm. And it just, it, it, it burdens my heart. I'm saying that word a lot. I know, but because I, I think that that's sending a message to kids that this is all that it the mm-hmm. value is. Mm-hmm. So I literally, two Sundays ago, just took pictures of um, selfies with me and the kids that were sitting in the 1030 service together. So we had been at the nine o'clock junior high hour and then the families had stayed for the 1030 mm-hmm. service. And I'm in the process of writing notes to those families to say thank you for modeling to your mm-hmm. children that that the Christian spiritual formation process is worth two hours Mm -hmm. on a Sunday and for them to be in a specialized group, right? Where they're getting teaching that's, that's, um, fit to them Mm -hmm. while the parents are in the parents of teens and tweens class, understanding that they're not bad parents because they won't let their kid out after 11 o'clock at night or whatever the case is. But then coming up into the larger context Mm -hmm. of church. So my kids can see all the different ages and worship and, and be under, um, teaching is just so good and so helpful. Yeah. So, but as far as youth ministry goes, um, these kids are capable of so much more than we give them credit for. And, and they are willing and wanting to, to know more and to be a part of a community. And if you can, have a space Mm -hmm. where they can come and they can feel seen and known and their friends can come and be with them Mm -hmm. and they're seeing that the bible is relevant Mm -hmm. to what they're dealing with on a daily basis it changes things yeah and i think it adds energy it adds life to the church and it it hopefully feeds into the future Mm. of the church
0: yeah that's great um, so a lot of our listeners are pastors, mm-hmm. some of whom have been youth
1: pastors before yes. they became
0: senior pastors. And that's okay.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay that they. Love. I don't know why you don't like the all nighters anymore, senior pastor. But okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm long past those days myself. Um, what What would you What would you want those pastors who are are leading churches today and and are listening to this? What do you want them to know? Yeah. What do you want them to take away? from this you yeah. get an opportunity to to share with them a yeah. captive audience yeah. so yeah
1: Well I'm, i one one benefit of senior pastors having been youth pastors is that they hopefully understand yeah. the value of youth ministry and and what it can be to families um if you get the kid peter you're going to get the parents mm-hmm. if the parents are open to church at all mm-hmm. If they've got a 14-year-old that says, I want to go to church on Sunday morning or I want to go to church on Wednesday night, I've mm-hmm. seen it over and over and over. The parents are like, what's going on there? <laughs> yeah. we, we want to be a part of this, right? Um, but if if parents, if the kids are fighting and don't want to go to church and think it's irrelevant and there's nothing for me, um, that's going to wear down on the parents. Mm-hmm. So I think you're going to see it overall. But I, I think the one thing I would want to say is um, that that. When you hire somebody and and put somebody into that position, um, don't abandon them, Mm -hmm. don't leave them alone. Mm. Um, They are someone that I hope wants to be invested in, but needs to be invested in. And as I talk with youth ministers across the nation, that's the one thing I hear is they feel like they're on their own. Mm. Um, They feel like they were brought in and wooed in, but then it's like, okay, that's kind of your deal. Mm Or, Peter, it's the opposite, and they feel like they're micromanaged. They feel like they have no decision that they can make on their own, and that the pastor or the board is just constantly critiquing and Mm. evaluating and and not happy with how things are. So to find a happy medium where you empower the youth pastor, but yet there is someone who's investing in Mm -hmm. them. So Mm -hmm. when I started at Christ Community Church, um, when I was 19, it wasn't the senior pastor, that was doing that for me. He found John Potts, um, who was working with uh, youth leadership at the time, yep. and John attended the church. and John took on the role of supervising me and Jake Veneta. Mm-hmm. I was twenty at the time, and Jake was nineteen. And so, God bless him. But you know, we'd go out to Perkins every other week, and he would invest in us. Mm-hmm. and Train us and teach us, Mm. classic Peter. I came back from a twins game with a bunch of kids, of course, in our my big Buick that I was driving. I hope that they had seatbelts on, but I don't know because it was 1992. (laughs) And I dropped the kids at Christ Community or at the community center where the church met. And then I was walking back to my car, and John said, "Where are you going?" And I said, "Well, I'm meeting some friends, you know." And he goes, "No, you're not. You're staying here until the last kid is picked up." Mm. And I was like. Oh, (laughs) I mean, Peter, I was 19. I didn't know that. Nobody had told me that. I didn't instinctively think about that. But he was able to train me and teach me. And to this day, there's so much that John taught me in mm. those four years yeah. that I put into practice every day. So yeah. it doesn't have to be you senior pastor. I know your plate is full and I know that you're doing a lot, but there has to be somebody mm. who is keeping an eye out and not just for accountability purposes, mm-hmm. although that's important, but for empowerment and love and support. Yeah, That's what I want to tell senior pastors. That's
0: fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, are there any resources that you would recommend there's obviously your your two books that I'm uh, <laughs> I'm sure we want to make sure, uh, sure. everybody everybody reads yeah. Uh, yeah and but are there other are other things that uh, you found helpful in sustaining your youth ministry staying you know kind of uh, aware or, mm-hmm. or that sort of thing that uh, that whether so the the must read the must watch sure. resources yeah. what would those be
1: well um, Doug fields has a book called um, the first two years in youth ministry okay and it just unfortunately a lot of youth ministers don't make it past year three mm. and i wish more had that resource so mm-hmm. especially if you are bringing somebody on board or you've got somebody in their first two years that would be a great resource for them um something that's kind of taken over the youth ministry world is called download youth okay. dym is what they refer to it as Back in the day, it was youth specialties, and I was involved with them, and it was resources that were conferences and a a day-long training seminar with lots of books and lots of materials and curriculum. And now, of course, everything has moved online. And so these two guys who put it together, Doug and Josh, are from my same kind of generation, but now they're... um, blessing the current youth minister who's just used to everything online. Mm. So um, download youthministry.com, D-Y-M. It's not only um, fun games, uh, but, you know, countdown clocks and summer camp series and training events. And um, they do a national day of training every September. Mm. That's simulcasted, and um, area churches Wooddale is actually hosting on September 23rd this year to bring your team to, and it's reasonable, and it's great great training and great people who are training but it's just it's a a wealth of information and what youth pastors need right now. So it is a subscription, you know, mm-hmm. that you have to pay for. But as a senior pastor, man, you would be setting your youth pastor up to succeed if they could be a member on, on Download Youth Ministry. So, okay. and then that goes off into so many different places, you know, where they have partners that they sure. work with that could help as well. But those would be the two that first come into my mind.
0: Great. Well, we'll make sure that those are in the the show notes so yeah. that folks can have access to, uh, to that just by checking out the the show notes, yeah, they, can, they can access that, that's great. So Bethel Seminary is making some changes. We've had a children's and family ministry degree for a long time, and we've served youth pastors in the past through a variety of, of ways. But one of the things that we're doing is making a change to that degree program, and it's now the children's youth and family ministry degree. Mm-hmm. And Heather, you've agreed to be the youth ministry advisor for for that uh, for that degree. I'm really excited about that. But what made you say yes to that? Why Why was that an important thing for you to to get involved with us? You've got a thriving ministry at the church. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: what's What made you say yes? Sure.
1: Well, part of it is I just want to invest in this next generation of youth ministers that are coming up, right? I I just turned 50, so I think I've got another good 45 years left in me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But eventually, you know, I'm not going to be here. And so I want to pour into those who are coming up. But, Peter, I just have such a a passion that students deserve to have youth ministers who know their stuff, Mm. who have been trained and who actually know how to look at context within Scripture and how to exegete a passage and and how to pastorally care for students and that's the stuff that I learned when I was at Bethel Seminary. Mm. I I am not a I, I, I like to say I'm I'm bright. Um, but I'm not academically driven. You know, mm. it, I, I have so many friends in my world who hunger for learning. And mm. That's just, that's not me. But I I signed on for my master's at the seminary because I wanted to be a better youth pastor. Mm. And I, I believed my kids deserved that. Mm. So as I think about the senior pastors that are listening, I, I know they must value the education that they have. And I just want to encourage them to, to figure out how can they get their youth minister into this program, mm-hmm. to a place where um, the church will be benefited, but the, the families and the students will be benefited by by somebody who knows their stuff, mm-hmm. and and Bethel teaches you that, and then allows you within your context to to work it out, mm-hmm. and that's that's the big thing. Um, is to be able to be working in ministry, whether that's part-time or full-time, but then having the education as well. I really do believe they go hand in hand. And it's funny because I have different associates now who are going through their seminary work and they'll often complain, you know, how hard it is. And I just say, I'm just going to tell you, stop complaining (laughs) and don't (laughs) complain to any of the pastors who are along the hallway because we've all done it, right? Mm. We've all worked through it and it is a challenge, but it's worth it. Mm. And I will tell you, I don't think my kids can tell you that I have a master's degree from Bethel Seminary mm-hmm. but I think they could tell you that I love the Word of God mm. and I love the Lord and I love them and I know what I'm talking about and that came from Bethel Seminary. Great
0: well I'm realizing that our time is almost uh, is almost gone mm. this has been a great conversation is there is there anything you want to leave our listeners with any any last thoughts or or something that you really want to make sure gets said in yeah. this conversation.
1: <laughs> oh yeah well there's a whole book i want to write um (laughs) called the switch uh i wouldn't have been in youth ministry as long as i have been peter if i had not figured out my switch I, i imagine a light switch okay And up is crazy Heather and down is professional Heather. (laughs) And I just, I want to encourage the senior pastors that um, I believe every youth minister, especially those who are a little bit made up like me, a little bit crazier and outgoing and whatnot, they really do desire to please the senior pastor and to bless the church. Mm. But sometimes they just don't know either because expectations are not spoken or nobody's guiding and directing them. Mm -hmm. So, please um you know give give your guy or girl a chance to give announcements on a sunday Mm -hmm. but before they do set them up to succeed Mm -hmm. and and give them a script and let them know well how they should dress and let them know the importance of it and why you're putting them up there and then give them some feedback after you know i feel sometimes youth pastors get the chance and we wear a hawaiian shirt and flip-flops and talk about fart jokes and then we don't get added to the (laughs) to the program again and we wonder why but i i just think um youth pastors want to please and they they want to bless the church but sometimes there's just a lot of unspoken expectations and so the more clear you can be and setting up somebody to invest in that person and keep track and and have a voice in their world is just really great so don't leave Mm. them on their own give them opportunity but they really have good hearts
0: Mm, that's That's all i'll say (laughs) heather i'm smiling because that's the first time the word fart has ever been used on the whole and holy (laughs) podcast (laughs) i I know crazy right (laughs) so well, this has been a, a great conversation. Thank you so much. Is there ways that people can can follow you or, mm-hmm. or connect with you that you'd like to share?
1: Sure, yeah. I'm out on uh, Facebook and Instagram are my two primaries, I'll, however... Peter, did you know that Facebook caps you off at 5,000 Facebook friends?
0: Well, I've never had to worry about (laughs) that. So no, I did not know that. So I'm
1: currently at 5,000 and I have like 67 in my friend queue. Uh. Uh, But I would be happy, you know, when somebody else, I I figure they drop me if they die or close their account. Those are the only ways my extroverted self can handle it. But I would be happy to have you in my friend queue. But Instagram is probably the the best way to follow me. And then you could direct message me, uh, DM me if you have any questions or if I could be an encouragement. To you as a senior pastor in any way?
0: Okay, and you'll you'll note that I am very much not a social media guy. So, yeah. what's your Instagram? What is it, handle? It's just or my, title yeah, it's just or my what? name. So okay. Heather
1: Fleece, and Fleece is spelled like flies. Okay, like a bird flies. Okay. Uh, you just have to be ready to see a lot of students, a lot of dogs, and a lot of festive headbands. But if you can <laughs> handle those three things, then you can follow me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, that's great. Well, this has been wonderful. Thank Thanks. you so much for being on the on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. Well, thank you so much for listening to Whole and Holy. If you have feedback for us or suggestions for future episodes, you can email us at whole-and-holy at Bethel.edu. Once again, that's whole-and-holy at Bethel.edu. Once again, thank you so much for listening. God bless you.
1: Thank you for listening to Whole and Holy. This podcast is a production of Bethel Seminary in collaboration with Bethel University's Office of Church Relations. Please share your feedback with us, including ideas you'd like to see in future episodes, by emailing us at wholeandholy at bethel.edu. Once again, that address is wholeandholy at bethel.edu. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.